Today's episode of The Dave Chang Show is brought to you by Sensodyne. Sensodyne Sensitivity in Gum is a dual-action toothpaste with a low abrasion formula. It not only relieves sensitive teeth, it also targets and removes plaque bacteria to significantly improve gum health. Go to Sensodyne.com to learn more. Today's show is also brought to you by the Michelle Obama Podcast. The Michelle Obama Podcast just debuted on July 29th exclusively on Spotify. The series brings listeners inside the former First Lady's most candid and personal conversations, showing us what's possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to open up, and to focus on what matters most. If you haven't listened to our first one, it's with former President Barack Obama, and I miss him so much. I love Michelle Obama as well. If you haven't read her biography, you should. If you haven't looked at her as a role model, you should. She's a role model for myself and so many others. Listen free at Spotify.com slash Michelle Obama. It's a must listen. Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you to the great band, Yola Tango, as always, for letting us use their music in the introduction. I have, as a guest this week, someone that, if you follow leadership, you will know a lot about, Marshall Goldsmith. If you don't, I recommend that you find out a lot more about him. Um, he's someone that has been instrumental in my life, and... Um, I asked him early on quarantine if he'd join us, and we had a few technical difficulties, and thankfully we were able to get it right this go-round. Uh, Marshall is a best-selling author of, I think, 40-plus books. It's a longer story how I met Marshall, and I feel very honored and privileged that he would take a look into my life and to make it better. We talk a little bit about it without Dr. Jim Kim, who's been on this podcast a couple times. I don't think that I meet Marshall and his network, and that's just the way life works out. But I was in a very bad place in my life in my mid-30s, and I was uh, open to anything and everything to get me out of the hole I was in. And uh, on top of all the psychiatric care and therapy and uh, behavioral therapy and all these things that I had been working on for a number of years— I think when I matched it with a lot of the lessons that Marshall was teaching me, it was um, very fruitful. And um, I was hoping that he would come on board, talk a little bit about what we've worked on, because I think I think it can help a lot of people. I'll, I'll just be honest. Uh, if it can help me, it can help anyone. And, and the one reason why I was open to Marshall is not that I'm a practicing Buddhist, because I'm not, even though I hope that I one day have the fortitude and patience to do so, but I have never really disagreed with the philosophy and logic behind it. And this is a whole nother conversation. And, you know, in a previous life, I was a religion major focusing on Eastern religions. And this is uh, way before my culinary uh, career. And this is something that I did study quite a bit about not thinking that it would ever be practical in my life. And for all the lessons I've learned from Marshall, you know, it was um, very much aligned with a lot of the texts and the things that I, I study quite a bit about basically aligning yourself to be a better person. And Marshall was someone that kept me accountable and uh, has uh, stuck with me with, uh, <laughs> with a lot of 
help. You know, he has helped me a lot. And I wanted to sort of share that. And one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk about it as well was since quarantine began, he has, along with Mark Thompson, another executive coach, leadership coach, has been holding these calls with a variety of other people in various other fields from athletes to business leaders to artists, you name it, just a good group. And I thought that a lot of these talks should be shared and Marshall is very open with it. And I thought that maybe this would be an opportunity to share a lot of those things that we've been talking about on this podcast. And, you know, we we screw around on this podcast. We want to try a lot of different things out, a lot of different angles. And obviously this is probably the first time we've ever talked about what it means to be a leader. And I think that there are a lot of books, and I have never really read any of these books about leadership or management or any of these things. Probably I should have in the past. But I will say that having spoken to my friends that have had coaches, right? If an athlete has a coach, I don't see why a manager shouldn't have a coach because you are tasked with the responsibility of others And it's not something that we are ever prepared to do. I certainly wasn't. And I have been a very bad boss in my life. And sometimes I still can be, but I am really making a concerted effort to be better and to hold myself accountable and to understand all the things that I need to be better at. And to be better at it, I need to have accountability and I need to really be thoughtful about all the things that I do. And sometimes I miss it. And that's why I think Marshall is is good because one of the things we've been doing on a weekly call with 10 to 12 other people and it switches out every weekend is I'm a big person in data. Obviously, we've talked about it on this podcast um, with Kevin Clark and Kevin O'Connor in sports in general. I like data because I like to make decisions based on facts and there's like 26 things you're supposed to sort of grade yourself on on a one to 10 scale. And, you know, we talk about six of them, you know, actually, I think I could probably share some of it. Um, You know, the ideas of like, were you setting clear goals, making progress toward goal achievement, being happy, finding meaning, building positive relationships, being fully engaged. And another version of me a long time ago probably would have been like, whatever, this is sort of meaningless. But when you have to do it every day. And you reflect on your day, and then you see the scores you've given yourself throughout 10 weeks of doing this. And yes, there have been some days I've missed it, but you can see a pattern of holding yourself accountable. And I think it's important. The reason why I wanted to talk about this is in quarantine, as so many of us are in, we don't have the interactions with people. We don't have sort of structure. It's hard to set a schedule. It's like we're all living at work. And I found this to be pretty good. It doesn't have to be this. This could be a workout regimen, whatever, but it works for me. And uh, it's something that Mark Thompson and Marshall Goldsmith have implemented. And I was tasked to give a couple other questions to myself. And for me was, did I lose my temper? Second one was, I reacting to information without thinking? Was I being a good dad? And lastly, was I being present in conversations? Because sometimes I can just doze off and do my own thing. And I know this sounds very funny. I get it. If I was listening to this when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I probably would have turned off the podcast by now. But I think there's a lot of people that could benefit from listening to Marshall. It's not new age. It's not cultish. It's none of these things. It really isn't. It's just about 
how do you be the best version of yourself? And that's something that I have really tried my best to do, oftentimes unsuccessfully, but uh, I'm learning and I'm thankful that, again, someone like Marshall, who is this world-renowned executive coach, would uh, shine his light on me. And again, one of the reasons why I liked Marshall was it wasn't so in the minutiae. Not that he can't uh, about how your organization works and all these things. And I, I met people that have these very sort of uh, the micro universe of how you operate your business. But I found that Marshall is much more of the macro. It is um, learning to basically not be a fucking dick <laughs> and aligning that with being sort of selfless as a leader. And uh, I, you know what? I'll just shut up. I think there's a lot to be said. We sort of gang up on Chris Yang, not me. Chris participated in this, had a few questions, and then you'll see how Marshall sort of holds Chris accountable. And I do this with him all the time. And even having to like state out things that I fucked up out loud. And uh, as I do on this podcast, it's a little bit weird that I'm sharing this, but I think it's going to be productive and beneficial. Um, one note I wanted to add before we get in is, um, on the recipe club, please keep on sending in recipes of things that you'd want us to work on. We've done BLTs, we've done chicken Parmesan. It's been very well received and we're very happy about that. And we want to keep this moving, but send in some ideas. We'd love to be able to outsource this or even get you guys involved in this. And lastly, for those that are listening to this and uh, are dining out or dining in, I don't even know what's available in this country right now. I just really ask that you understand the pressures and the stress that anyone that is making food or serving food is under. And um, of all the times, just be as generous as you can and to be nice because it is not easy operating a restaurant right now. And, um, those people that are giving people restaurants bad Yelp reviews, you know, I don't want to say anything not nice, but you know what you should be doing. And to anyone that's dining outside or just eating at restaurants or getting delivery, be as empathetic as possible because um, it's a real testament to the fortitude of this industry that people are still trying in every way possible. And I don't want to say what I believe is right or wrong in terms of how a restaurant should operate because everyone is in their own sort of dilemma and uh, they need to get out of it. But uh, I just wanted to say that I, I've spoken to enough people in this business and, and that's, it's been a really tough year. And the last thing we need are customer interactions that are very negative. So just remember people in this business that are serving food, I'm not asking you to cut them some slack, but basically cut everyone some slack if you can. That's it. I'm going to shut up now and get into this podcast with Chris Yang and myself with my coach, Marshall Goldsmith. I am joined with my executive coach. If I feel weird saying such things, but it's true. His name is the legendary Marshall Goldsmith. And as usual, I am joined with the great Chris Yang. We tried to record this a month or so ago, but we have, we're having some technical difficulties, and I'm honored that Marshall could join us from San Diego. I see the lovely background of his hometown. Um, I wanted to get you on the podcast for a while, simply because you've had a dramatic impact on my life, 
And I have the wonderful opportunity and privilege to have had your help. And none of this would have been possible without the big brother, the amazing Dr. Jim Kim, who introduced us. Right. A wonderful guy. The best. But Marshall, I really wanted to get you on this because I think I've been so honored and privileged to have this world-class help. And many people in my life have said, oh, you've gotten better as a person. And I think a lot of that obviously is with the coaching. And when I say coaching, Marshall isn't, uh, how should I say? I mean, he's nice. He's a Buddhist. He's all of these things. But I, I joke, jokingly say, he makes you face the worst versions of yourself and realizes that this is how the world sees you. And that's, that's hard. It's really hard. And he doesn't always do that in the, what I didn't say, kind <laughs> How would you describe it, Marshall? Uh, I, I'm not really particularly empathetic. I'm reasonably d- direct here. Uh, now you're not you're not you're not alone, Dave. And as you know, I told you from the get go, never whine to the others because they're to give you no sympathy, right? Hey, now, now Doug McMillan's the new CEO of Walmart, and I was the coach of his former boss, Mike Duke. And you know what Doug said about my feedback session? He said my feedback session with Marshall Goldsmith. He said, it made my trip to the dentist to get a root canal operation feel like one of the happy moments of my life. Because <laughs> I've phrased it to Chris. It was, it was like getting waterboarded with criticism. And I'm not trying to make I – don't, I don't want to make light of waterboarding and the terror of that. Not at all. But that was like the first way I could describe it to somebody. It was like, oh, man. And you can't really become an improved person until you actually are – fully aware of, of your mistakes. And why I wanted you on this is I want to feel like somewhat giving back to many people. Again, a lot of people listen to this. I do know we have a lot of people in the industry and, you know, it's so hard in this business, maybe now because of COVID and people are having involuntary time off to think about things is how do you have the time to reflect? How do you get better? How do you even find guidance to do this because I was, I mean, besides my psychiatrist, I was like, you know, this is all very new stuff and I don't know. And I, I'm not someone that likes to read these kinds of books about self-help and all of this stuff. I just, it's not something that was ever my cup of tea. And I didn't know what I was getting signed up, signing myself up for. Right. But ultimately, Marshall, you've determined that being a manager of people has similarities in every goddamn field, right? That's right. Oh, Yeah. What have you learned all these years about people that are in positions of leadership? Well, a couple of things. One is we all fall into what I call a superstition trap. I behave this way. I am successful. Therefore, I must be successful because I behave this way. Hmm. Wrong. What we don't think is I behave this way. I am successful. I am successful because I do many things right. And Dave, you've met all those people. They do many things right. And I'm successful in spite of some things that make no sense. And I've never met anyone who's so wonderful they didn't have something on the in spite of list. We all got a little something on that in spite of list. And so in the coaching, you you get positive feedback for all the good stuff. And then people say, okay, here's what I need to do better. Then you have a choice. You want to do this stuff or not? And I feel like you do two things. One is you help executives or people that are learning a new position, right? right? And two, you help people that are 
in position as leadership that are just fucking terrible at it, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, some of them are actually good at it and they help them get better. Right. Uh, but that's how I've looked at it. But to me, when people ask about you, I always say it's less about, you know, I'm, I've never had other executive coaching or coaches. I, I, I don't know because it's, it is a giant luxury. And you should know this. Marshall does this pro bono for me. He, like, he always chooses somebody to give back to. And uh, Marshall has always invested into me. So the least I can do is to give back. But Now, now Dave, Dave, let's be fair. With Dave, I, you go down the road, you see those guys with a little sign. Will work for food. The homeless guy. <laughs> I'm a little like that guy. Will, I said, Dave, I, I will work for food. So you have given me some tasty food. Now. Well, that, that, that's true. And that's, that's easy enough for us. And, um, you know, when I, when I step back and I think about it, the one thing that Marshall tends to do, and I can't speak on behalf of all the people that you've worked with over the years, but to me, the best part is you've aligned that being a better person is actually what you need to be to be a better boss. Right. Stop being an asshole. Right. Stop being so selfish. What is it about that that unlocks being a better leader, in your opinion? Well, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this as your business has grown and the people around you have gotten more and more qualified. Uh, I had the privilege of being on the advisory board for Peter Drucker for 10 years. So I spent a lot of time with him. And he said, you know, in the past, the boss used to know more than the people they managed. But in the future, the people you manage know more than you. And if you're around people that know more than you, you can't just tell them what to do and how to do it. You've got to ask. You've got to listen. You've got to learn. You've got to get them involved. And it's a very different world. And our image of leadership is the leader is superior to the people who are being led. Well, in the new world, the people I coach, if you're a CEO, you know more about marketing than a marketing person. You know more about finance than a finance person. You know more about HR. You don't have a leadership problem. You have a selection problem. You have the wrong staff. You want them to know more than you and be better than you. And when that's the case, you can't just sit there and tell them what to do and how to do it all the time. You have to ask. You have to listen. You have to learn. Just a different world. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. <laughs> this is like a very... This is a very exciting podcast for me as like a, a long, long time friend and, and, and colleague of Dave's. So I've, I've just been sitting here in rapt attention. But can you can you back up and tell me a little bit about, you know, you, you alluded to this feedback that Dave got from you. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you talk about that process a little bit? How, where does that feedback come from? How do you how do you approach executive coaching someone like Dave Chang? I interview everyone around the person and I'm coaching. And I say, what's he doing well? What's he need to do better? What situations bring out the best in him? What bring out the worst? And what ideas to have for him? And I write a very long report. And then we go over the report. And the feedback is confidential. He doesn't know who said what. Hmm. He sees this summary report. And then, as Dave points out, this stuff doesn't just apply at work. It applies to you as a human being. Hmm. Yeah, now, now Dave, Dave, how about me helping old Chris out there? You think that might be a good plan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I need yeah, let's, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Now, Chris, I, I have some questions for you, Chris. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. Now, Chris, do you believe customer satisfaction is important? Yes. Of course. And should we ask our customers for input and listen to these good customers? I mean, for the most part, I think so. Yeah, yes. And learn from these good people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, do you have a husband, wife, or partner? Uh, I do have a wife. Yes. 
you have a wife. Now, you've been asking your wife, what can old Chris do to be a better partner oh, in this relationship? Oh, I, man, I feel like I'm sitting in a courtroom and I'm being put into a trap here. I can feel, Chris, it, I can feel it all closing around me right now. Now, now, now Chris, I'm taking that as a big no. What do you think, Dave? I'm taking it as a <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> and, and now, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm very confused. Now, you told me that customer feedback was more important. Well, who's more important? Those customers don't even know your name. That person seems to love you on occasion. Now, who's more important, Chris? Yeah, I, I think I guess my wife is more important than the customer. I guess yes. so, yes. Dave. Dave, yes. this guy needs a lot of help. I guess my wife is more important. That's bad. Oh my God, that's Marshall. I, that's bad, Marshall. We 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 we've touched upon the subject in, in the previous past quarantine subjects about him just being an inadequate husband partner. <laughs> oh and man, Chris, whether you realize it or not, I hate to punk you like this. But Jamie, your your wife, his wife, organized this as an intervention. <laughs> we're not even we're not even recording this right now. This is just, this is not I mean, podcast. your ego and narcissism is so great. The only way to get you to do this was to set this up, and that's the kind of coach Marshall is. He yeah. above and beyond. This is, I, the the entirety of the Dave Chang show has been leading up to this. Dave started a podcast just for this moment, just yeah. To, yeah. just to lure me into this treatment. Um, oh, now you see, you see, Dave, uh, Chris here, he wanted to know how else all worked about you. You notice, you know, when he gets into old Chris there, how about his interest in learning? It? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. No, brutal. I mean, I mean, but like when, when Marshall was, uh, Marshall, I didn't know anything about him really, right? Like I'd seen his book when you go to like Borders bookstore and stuff, but I was, I mean, I was interested in cookbooks, not, not leadership <laughs> books. And, uh, you know, I was a very lost person at the age of 35 and a lot of bad shit happened up to that point. And I think about it a lot. If I don't meet Dr. Jim Kim, am I even around anymore? I, yeah. I, I don't really know. That's not to sound hyperbolic, but that's just how, yeah. you know, south it felt my life was going. And, you know, we talked about this uh, on a couple podcasts ago where it's so funny where whether it's a religion or AA or rehab. And I've had a lot of friends that go through all of it. The common theme is surrender, right? Yep. And I felt at that point in my life, which was rock bottom, I normally probably wouldn't have said yes, but I was so lost that I was just like, okay, I am open. I'm going to be open to doing this because me running my life has not done a very good job at it. You know, and, and, and the phrase that kept on coming back and back to me over and over was a real mantra of Marshall's was what worked for you in the past will not work for you moving forward or some variation of that. Yeah. And it worked it probably worked. And I think we're all culpable and guilty of this is I think not that I was lost because I didn't know what to do. I think that I was just I think it was hubris or a variety of things that led me to believe that. Well, it worked in the past, so I can't change it, right. you know, and it becomes such the, the operating way of how I think that you don't even think of it as decisions anymore until you realize, oh, this shit doesn't work at all. And this is why what, what made you successful will actually be your downfall unless you update, right. unless you become someone that can not fool themselves. Right. And Marshall's seen all this. And when I saw him. Again, surrendering to this process, it was not easy. And it still isn't easy to be told how much you suck. Um, 
<laughs> but you did that. You interviewed my family, close friends, everyone that had some tangential relationship with me. And like I said, like there was like eight pages of positive notes, all anonymous. And then it was like 53 or 56 pages of negative <laughs> notes. And like the first day was to go over like the first couple hours or so. Felt like, yeah, would you have the positive first? Yeah. And then it was like a day of just reading line by line of how much <laughs> people, again, when they know that they're going to be anonymous and they know that their criticism is to help the things that they actually dislike or near hate about you, they let loose. And it was one of the few times, I mean, it's happened a lot, but it totally broke me into millions of pieces. Is that what always happens? Marshall? Well, well, you know what? Everybody always survives. I mean, you know, now, now the interesting thing is, Chris, after a few, a few hours of this, you know, Dave thought Jim Ken was his buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he began to question this. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jim Kim was my friend. Uh, he's putting me through the same thing, right? Well, you know, I mean, the good advantage you've had is you've met a lot of people been through the same thing. And when you've done that, you realize, hey, they're all okay. Yeah, you know, Jim Kim didn't, you know, he's doing fine. And all those people you meet week after week after week, they're all doing fine. But do you so have a different sort of play, playbook? Oh, Dave, well, I'm a timeout here. What's the first word? <laughs> what first word he just said? You know what that word I was? Said, but, I did say but. but that's true. He, but, I took a big – Marshall, can you explain, Marshall, why these yeah. are foreboding words? Well, if somebody talks to you – now, by the way, Chris, what's your favorite charity now? Probably the ACLU. No oh, good. You owe them $20 for that butt. So you know, <laughs> I, I find my clients $20. And you notice, Dave, after he said butt, he started talking real fast. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he kind of hoped I'd miss it. You know? But, Dave, do I ever miss it? I, I, I never miss it. No. Never, now, never. Never miss it. Now, let me explain this. You see, when somebody talks to you and the first right of your mouth is no, what are you mm. saying? Shut up. Or but. What does but mean? Disregard everything you just said. And, you know, this is a bad habit. So when somebody says that's great, but what are they really saying? That's not great at all. And the other thing is the most common phrase that are by people when people tell us something we agree with is no, I agree with you. Dave, you've done this before. No, I agree with you. No, it's a great idea. No, I think it's fantastic. Well, it's so fantastic. What do you say no for? What mm. that no means is no, Chris, of course, I agree with you. And I already knew that. You see, you, you didn't have to tell me that because you're confusing me with someone who you think may need to hear you right now. This is a bad habit. Oh, and that, that's another thing that's a bad is that's great, but. Now, we do this with our, all the time with friends and family member. Now, you know, do you ever say to your wife, that's great, but? I'm sh 100% sure I do. Probably multiple times a day. Very bad habit. Now, starting now, you're going to tell her you're going to find me $20 every time I do this. <laughs> <laughs> deal deal I, this is this is remarkable it's it's crazy you know how, how obvious it sounds when you say it um and i'm just like sitting over here just being so careful about every Chris, word that comes out of my mouth know, one of the reasons oh, this oh all... wait a minute dave dave it's getting worse here it's getting it's it's getting he's going downhill now dave let me tell you what oh, he just said dave, dave, you, dave. let me tell you let me tell you what Chris just said. Well, you know, Marshall, now, you see, oh, man. If, if I say that, I, I have to give 
$20 to the poor little puppy that's sad. $20. Oh, so I have to watch what I say so carefully because I can't give any money to the poor no, little puppy. No, I am very up. willing no, to pay up no, front. No, 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 $40. $40. You just said no, $40. $40. Because I, that no was a legitimate no, disagreement. That was a legitimate oh, disagreement oh, with you. Now, wait a minute, Dave. Now, you see, now I'm wow. confused. I'm confused. You see, his no didn't count. That no didn't count. Because, see, that was a legitimate disagreement. Other other no's count, but still, Chris over there, that, that was a different Chris, kind of no. he has heard this from everybody. You have, you, now, Chris, you're playing you, against LeBron James. I, I, I have no chance here. <laughs> now you owe six. Now you owe six. But they said but again. You owe I, did, I did. I did. I did. I did. I owe twenty bucks. Okay. Now Chris, you owe sixty bucks to the charity, and if you argue anymore, you're going to owe even more. I wanted to tell you, Chris, that one of the things that really resonated with me is again, like I don't know if I ever have the the, the mental fortitude to actually become a Buddhist, but I never disagree <laughs> with the logic or the philosophy. But in working with Marshall all these years now, about eight plus years, it's dawned on me that so much of his teachings is basically Buddhist principles. That's it. And when you say the word, but you are basically interjecting your ego over someone else, regardless Mm. of whatever point you're saying. And that's exactly the point he's trying to make. That's the problem. Well, that makes a ton of sense. Is that Marshall is the root of sort of your, your methodology stem from Buddhism or is it, all Buddhism, all Buddhism. Yeah, uh, it's all Buddhism. And, and my basic coaching philosophy, Buddha said, only do what I teach if it works for you. And huh. when I work with people, there are the basics they have to do. They have to get feedback. They have to follow up. They have to do this work. Other than that, it's all optional. I give them ideas and, and they say, thank you. So they treat the idea like a gift. So Chris, someone gives you an idea a gift, they're trying to help you, should you say stinky gift or bad gift? I don't like mm-hmm. your dumb gift. What do you <clears> say? <throat> thank you. Just say thank you for the nice gift. So do you get that then? Like uh, going back to the original question, you know, after you've delivered sort of the feedback to people, how wide is the range of your of the sort of reaction to it? I, I know that Dave says, you know, it broke him to a million pieces and, <laughs> and it, really, it really made him <laughs> consider. And I know it did. I mean, we've talked about it in private. Um, do you also get people who say, I don't accept this. I refuse to accept well, this. Well, they feedback. could, but what would I say to them? Goodbye. <laughs> I, I guess if you're not willing to accept it from the beginning, then you're not going to. It's fine. It's fine with me. I mean, I I don't have to do this. So you know, if somebody doesn't care, why would I waste time with them? So if you don't want change, I'm not here to make you change. You don't want to do anything, don't. But don't waste my time. The way I've described it, Chris, and you've heard me say this a, a lot of different ways, and it's my sort of extrapolation of, of so much of what Marshall has sort of enforced upon me and printed upon me, was the closest way I can explain it to anybody is when that moment when someone realizes that they smell bad. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, is that, what is that? I'm like, oh, shit, that's me. <laughs> And you, you and, and just before you smelled that, you were thinking that it was someone else, and you were talking shit in your mind about that person. Well, that motherfucker over there. That God is literally what I thought was happening on this podcast. I thought we were going to talk about Dave smelling bad, and it, I've had that exact realization here. And and it's it's compounding because for me, you realize that you you smell fine, and because you smell fine, you've you've actually denigrated or made fun or 
Mm. verbally abuse other people because they smell bad. When you realize that you were the rotten egg, it is shattering. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, yeah. <laughs> so what comes next or what came next in you two working together? What came after the delivery well, of the... You know, well, David said he works and talks to people and we follow up and focused on really changing. And also, though, we have these meetings now. Tell him about the meetings we have every weekend, which are also fun. Uh. Marshall makes uh, Marshall makes <laughs> me grade myself on seven categories and in um, a few other topics about he basically gamifies your day hmm. and holds you accountable on your score and it's a win-win for Marshall because if you start to tell your group. I'm feeling bad about myself because of this. And that's why my score is low here, here, and here. Again, like I can imagine someone listening to this being like, what kind of nonsense is this? I get it. <laughs> but if you do that, you're basically going to get shut down. Like you, if Chris, if you just said like, but or something, because there's no pity, there's no sorrow about this. Hmm. It's just, it's what happened and brush it off. Hmm. Don't yeah. let the, don't let it become an excuse for it to self-perpetuate. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what's really I love about our we have these little weekend meetings and the people are so diverse from, you know, we have like Broadway star and football player and basketball player and Olympic head of the Rockefeller Foundation and Jim Kim, head of the World Bank, all these great people. They're so very diverse. And everybody realized we're all just humans here. Mm-hmm. That's one thing you mm-hmm. learn on those calls. You know, we're all just humans. It doesn't matter how much you've achieved. I mean, you know, Dave, this may sound odd to you, but you're kind of like a god to a lot of people. Oh. <laughs> Don't hey, say I, that. I, we got. We're going to edit that right out of this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, no. Again, it's, it's everybody sees themselves differently. But you know, like the Broadway star, he looks at me and thinks, "Well, you know, gee." I, now, there's this esteemed Dr. Goldsmith. Shit, would I have traded my career in for executive coach to be a star on Broadway? Hell yes. I would have mm-hmm. traded it in five minutes, but nobody gave me the choice. I can't sing. So, you know, it's it's everybody looks at somebody else and thinks, wow, their life is so glamorous. And, and, and they're looking at you probably thinking the same thing. I don't know. Again, I'm totally perplexed as to why I can be on this call. But if people feel that same way, great. But I... Oftentimes, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm talking to this person. But, you know, so many of the people that Marshall and the thing with what Marshall's done, he's he's created like the Avengers of leadership. Like there's Mark Mm. Thompson, there's Mark's wife, there's there's a ton of people. And you get to hear these amazing stories. Like, uh, did I pronounce your name right? I met her a couple times through you, Aisha Evans. She just sold Zooks to Amazon. Yeah, she just sold it to Amazon. And, you know, it's an amazing, amazing woman. You know, just she's from she's from Senegal. She speaks multiple languages. She's an engineer and uh, just amazing, amazing person. Yeah. So is there can I ask both of you then, is there whether it's a specific person or some idealized version, is there an ideal leader in either of your heads? Is there somebody, whether it's like I said, whether it's a specific person or just like a a set of rules that you follow that makes you a great leader? You know, basically, there are people that are just – and you, Dave, you've had a chance to – have you met Alan Mulally before? I have. I, I, I met him a handful of times, and he's arguably so one of the greatest cool. CEOs of all time. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. And so you, you get to meet these people that, 
you know, what they are, it's not rocket science. I mean, Alan Mulally, you've ever, I've never heard him say anything that was weird or complicated. The difference between him and the others is he does it. Or Frances Hesselheim, she does it. And it's what you need to do. It's not that complicated. And by the way, I don't think the problem is in your heart. If I did an interview with anybody and said, what should you be like? And just do that. It's not that hard. The problem is not understanding it. The problem is doing it. The problem is doing it. Like if I ask you a question, should you ask your wife how you'd be a better husband? You'd probably say, yeah, Chris, I should do that. Yeah, I should do that. But you don't do it. Well, the problem is not you don't know the theory of doing it. You just have to do it. Interesting. Before we go on, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Dave Chang Show is brought to you by Sensodyne. When you have sensitive teeth, as I do, you'll try all the classic coping mechanisms to get relief using a straw, avoiding certain foods, or drinking liquids at room temperature. But when you have gum health concerns on top of that, dealing with both can be painful and frustrating. Instead of ignoring the problem, look to the number one dentist-recommended brand for sensitive teeth, Sensodyne. Sensodyne Sensitivity and Gum is a dual-action toothpaste with a low abrasion formula. It actively builds a protective layer over sensitive areas to relieve tooth sensitivity. It also targets and removes plaque bacteria to reduce swollen, bleeding gums, significantly improving your gum health. It is my toothpaste of choice. My dentist recommended it 10 plus years ago because I had sensitive teeth. Very painful, very irritating, and I have had no problems ever since switching to Sensodyne. It has really been a lifesaver for me. So stop coping. Start brushing with Sensodyne Sensitivity and Gum twice daily. Go to Sensodyne.com to learn more. Thinking about Alan or just these people that have really mirrored what they want to be personally with a reflection in their business, these words or phrases keep on popping up in my head. It's accountability. It's transparency, like real transparency. And, you know, I was thinking about some of that when I met Alan and you hear about how he helped Boeing navigate September 11th and Ford after the financial crisis and how he did it. It was basically being accountable, being transparent, holding everyone to the same standard, himself included. Um, But that seems easy. It's fucking hard as shit to to, to organize hard. and to institute. And, you know, he told me the craziest thing. And I, I told this to one of my friends who he's like, I, he, he fundamentally disagreed with this. Well, it was something that Alan said. And I, I tried to adopt it. I was like, shit, if it works for Alan, I'm going to try to adopt it. Yeah. He said, your job is never to make decisions. Hmm. There's something like that, right? Like, yes, you make decisions. But the way I, I took it was you want to empower everyone to make the best decisions that they can. Right. Mm. And, and your job isn't to tell people what to do. Your job yeah. is to create the environment to get the best out of them so they feel empowered and responsibility for it. And I don't think I've ever not tried to do that in my career. But after working with Marshall, I feel like we tried to institute that more in how I've done things. Right. So it's just to realize like if you're an army of one, you're going to fuck it up somehow. It's hard to make that transition. And it's hard for a great achiever. So, Dave, you are, you're kind of sometimes modest, but you are a great achiever. I mean, you know, you you could do things. You have technical talents, right? Well, it's hard to make that transition between I'm a great achiever, which means I'm great at doing this job, to I'm a great leader. And it's hard for anybody. It's very hard to make that transition because 
a great achiever, it is all about me. The other thing that happens as we journey through life is, you know, especially, Dave, a lot of those people you've met, like Jim Kim. How many tests has Jim Kim taken in his life? You know, 12 zillion. He got a simultaneous MD and PhD with honors from Harvard in anthropology in five years. Now, a normal person takes eight years to get a PhD in anthropology. He got one in five years, got an MD at the same time. So, you know, when the brains were passed out, he went at the back of the line there. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's a pretty smart guy. Well, how many tests has he taken in his life? How many millions of times has he proved how smart he is over and over and over and over and over? It's hard to stop. Hmm. It's very hard to stop doing that because we've been reinforced in our lives so many times for proving how wonderful we are and how smart we are. Hmm. Pretty, pretty soon, that's all we do. You know, Chris, the whole idea about keeping you accountable for saying but, I also think I've never spoken to Marshall about this. It's a symbolic sort of metaphor to hold you accountable for all the default settings that are fucking terrible about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because that's what, you know, you do a, start doing an internal assessment and it starts again after the, the sort of the, the review process. And then you realize how many things you weren't actually aware of when you're up yeah. being basically a shitty person or a bad boss or, and the reality is, it's built in that you're still going to be that way. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen at your moments of weakness or you're going to like be perfect. It's just, right. I think the whole thing is being accountable. Is that right, Marshall? Yeah, and getting better. I mean, the goal here is not getting perfect. Nobody's going to get perfect, but a little better is fine. And it seems like probably the higher up you climb the leadership ladder, the less likely the people around you are going to hold you accountable to those things. So well, it's true. you've got to hold it's yourself, true. right? That seems to be well, it the happens most difficult. Hard. You know, another guy mentioned Mike Duke was at Walmart. And, and, you know, I do these programs in my house with retiring leaders where they talk about what are they going to do with the rest of their lives, right? And these things range from tragic to hilarious. Well, the guy I mentioned from Walmart, Mike Duke, said, you know, he said, when I was CEO of Walmart, I had this joke I told. And everybody laugh at my joke. Oh, it's so funny. It's a clean joke. Never offended anybody. I love my joke. Then he said, I retired as CEO of Walmart. And he said, I told my joke. <laughs> nobody laughed. And then he yeah. said, well, I thought they must be grumpy. Yeah, I told my joke again. And nobody laughed. He said, finally, his wife comes in. She goes, Mike, you idiot. Did you think that stupid joke was funny? <laughs> See, when he when he was CEO of Walmart, that joke was real funny. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> How about the not the CEO of Walmart? No, nah, not so much funny anymore. Yeah. Do you think that there is some sort of, uh, I was going to say a pandemic, but yes, there is a pandemic going on. Is there is there a crisis of leadership in, in our country? Is there something... Well, again, Wrong. I don't want to talk. I'm not going to talk about macro level leadership or politics or all that. On the other hand, at the micro level, you know, people like Dave or Jim or the people I meet, what's happened is the expectations have changed. The expectations are so different. Let me give you one of the examples from our call this weekend. You know, one of the guys was saying, well, People don't like it because somebody yelled at me. Well, you know, one of the guys was head of the Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. I asked him, when you were a young doctor, did the older doctors yell at you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much? <laughs> yeah, when you, uh, when you were an intern, what was that like? Well, you know, it was unbelievable. They would swear at people, scream at them, yell at them all the time. That was part of life. It's not that the medical leaders are worse today than they ever were. The expectations are so different than they ever were. I mean, the, lead, the the behavior of leaders in the past, which would have gone as just 
standard operating procedure. Today, they bother people. So the expectations are very different today than they've mm-hmm. ever been before. And is that, in your mind, sort of excuse it, or what, what does that mean? See, I'm, again, as Dave mentioned, I'm a Buddhist. The key to Buddhism is what is, is. Mm-hmm. We live where we live today. We don't live in another world. And you can say, well, this is better, this is worse, whatever. To me, that's not the point. The point is you've got to be where you are now. You've got to be where you are now, and what is today is today. And your challenge, as Dave said, is not to say, well, I wrote the book, what got you here won't get you there. Well, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. And you could say yesterday was bad or good or indifferent. It doesn't matter. This is now. So really, I try to get people, let's focus on what is. Let me give you an example of, you know, you're a great athlete. You got to let go of the past when you hit a bad shot. It's over. Mm-hmm. You got to start with where you are. You got to start with where you are. You can't be where you wish you were, where you wish the world were. I think this is hard for Dave. Oh, like, oh, Dave, Dave, we're going back to Chris. Chris now critiquing. Well, I mean, now, wait, Dave, Chris is critiquing Dave now. No, I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm just oh, looking wait, at wait, him. Wait, 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 no, wait, no, wait, no, 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 wait a minute, Chris. Now, 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 see, Chris, now, Chris is back to that Dave critique. Now, Chris, now you're going to do an exercise. You're going to do an exercise. Now, I got some good news for you, Chris. People's expectations on old Chris changing are pretty low. Now, how do I know this? Chris, after this call, you're going to talk to your lovely wife. You know what you're going to say? You're going to say, you know, you know, what's her name, Dave, his wife's name? Jamie. Jamie. You're going to say, you know, Jamie, you know, Jamie, I just talked to that fine executive coach, Marshall. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Jamie, based on everything I learned, I'm going to be a better partner in our relationship. Now, you look at Jamie's face. <laughs> <laughs> She'll think that's the funniest thing in the world. Well, nobody thinks we're going to change. Nobody thinks we're going to change. And but, even, you know, even if you – oh, oh, but now Dave is starting in on the butts <laughs> oh, no, now. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> He's trying to – I think Dave's trying to save me. I think Dave's trying to save me a little bit here. <laughs> well, I, I will add $20. Um, the thing that Chris is trying to say – because we've been talking a lot. There's been a lot that's been happening. And obviously yeah. my industry is yeah, full of this, this, this moment in time where it should have happened a long time ago. And, and it's, there's no excuse for behavior in the past. That's and right. I have verbally abused. I have bullied. However, I'm just a yeller. I'm a, I'm a fucking yeller. And I'm really unfortunately talented at yelling at people. And in a kitchen environment of how I grow up, you can rationalize anything and everything. Right. The hardest part I think that Chris is trying to explain is, yes, I've done the work to get better, but the hardest part is realizing maybe I didn't do enough of it, or there's still moments where I slip Yeah. that I hold myself accountable, or there's moments where I thought was copacetic because I only saw my perspective. Right. And for all the work that I've done, I'm still blind to certain things that I should have seen. And the other part is cooking saved my life, but in some ways it, it ruined it as well. It, it made it much more difficult to be the person I wanted to be. You know, I've, I've been in quarantine right. now for a while and I, in some ways this is the best version of me, hmm. you know, 
and and as sad and and depressing as everything has been with work, yeah, um, getting to spend time with my son and not having to put myself in a terrible situation like mentally is better. It's like I'm not, and that's what I've been basically doing. Assessment is, am I doing more harm than good? You know, and is there a way to create an environment where all the past of the mistakes of the past don't have to repeat itself? I can't guarantee that, but that starts with me. And part of the things that we work with Marshall is giving up control. You know, this this whole process of getting Marge Marguerite as the CEO was a long time coming. And and understanding all the work that I've done to get better still may not be enough to put me in situations with my mind, state of mind, my psychiatric help, all these things was to take myself out of certain equations where it would still be hard for me to control my temper or myself. Right. So, you know, we don't, we have an environment where I don't have to be in the kitchens day to day and I've given up control. That doesn't mean I can't be involved or help, but I'm not, it's like, the you know, Chris, I describe it to you. It's if I'm an alcoholic, don't put me in a place where there's lots of free booze. Don't give me an open bar. <laughs> That's right. Triggers. I wrote a book about that. Yeah, yes. Triggers. He you actually wrote you- a whole book. Can, can you explain? <laughs> Can you explain triggers briefly, Mark? Well, it's basically as we journey through life, we all make these plans. And, you know, Dave, you've got a good heart. You don't, you don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to piss people off today and alienate people. And nobody makes that as a plan. We all have this plan of what today's going to be like, yet we all tend to fall apart. What happens is, as we journey through life, there are all these triggers in our environment. And sometimes they push us in the right direction, but normally the opposite direction. And, and I have a whole book about this. The triggers in any stimulus may impact your behavior. And Dave's point is well taken back to the alcoholic in the bar is you've got to prepare for these triggers. You've got to get used to it and maybe avoid the trigger. Cause if you avoid the trigger, you're going to avoid the behavior that's triggered by the trigger. So, and we don't, there's a lot of reasons we don't do this stuff. And you know, Dave, one thing, I got some coaching for you today. Ready? You're coaching for today. Take a deep breath. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, one thing you said you're going to change. I've been working with you at this, but I still got some work to do. You said, I am a yeller. Now, I want you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. Raise your right hand. Hand. Right hand. My name is Dave Chang. My name is Dave Chang. I used to yell a lot. I used to yell a lot. I do not have an incurable genetic defect. I do not have an incurable genetic defect. I can change in the future. I can change in the future. See, as long as we talk about ourselves and say, that's the way I am, it's really hard to change. Yeah. It's hard to change because we're programming yourself. That's the way I am. You don't have to be that way. We can all change. We can all change. So, Chris, one of the things that I grade myself on that is part of my personal grade per week is, did I handle a situation without anger? Like my grade for myself is to force myself to not lose my composure. It's fucking right. hard. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that that's sort of what I was trying to to get at. Just the majority of the conversations that Dave and I have about this are, you know, I, I've not I've really in my life not met somebody who has as strong of a desire to get better as Dave. He just wants to be better so much. And, you know, he talks about working with you, Marshall. And I mean, honestly, I've worked with the guy for 
more than a decade, and I've seen it. I've seen it change, and I've seen him struggle to change. We've spent many, many late nights talking about those lapses and failures, and, and I know that it eats at him a lot, and it breaks my heart, too. And, and I was not trying to redirect the attention to Dave from myself. I, I, was, I was sort of mainly just saying that I can see how hard he wants to change and yet still struggles to kind of have that Buddhist mentality that you're talking about, Marshall, of, of what is, is, you know, to, to be in the present and not, and, and to forgive the past a little bit. Yeah, forgive the past. Now, now, one other thing to put this in context, I mentioned Jim Kim. This is not a secret. It's in the book Triggers. I talk about it. So obviously I have his permission. Three people I coach are medical doctors. And Dave, you probably met all of them. Dr. Ross Shaw, who's head of the Rockefeller Foundation now. Dr. John Noseworthy is head of the Mayo Clinic. And Jim Kim is president of the World Bank. Three of the smartest people I ever met. All three, I ask a question. On an average day, how would you score on this question? Did I do my best to be happy on a one to 10 scale? They all had the same answer. Never dawned on me to try to be happy. It never dawned on me to try to be happy. Now, they're all medical doctors. So I ask him, did it dawn on you you're going to die? Did you figure that one out? And I say, yeah, they, they teach that in medical school. I said, do you think that's a stupid question? They said, no, it's a, it's a great question. I forgot to ask. I was too busy achieving stuff. So, Dave, you might have your issue, maybe anger. But these three guys are just as smart as you and just as good as you. And they got their issue, too. I mean, and it's hard, you know, like a guy like Jim Kim, he's such an achiever that he forgets. It sounds crazy. But he forgets to be happy. He just forgets. He's so busy doing shit that he forgets to be happy. And so a lot of what I do is just to remind you to do stuff you know you should do. Like, don't forget, you're not supposed to yell at people. Or, or don't forget to be happy. And, you know, like one thing, I do this stuff myself every day. You know, mentioned Mark Thompson. I have somebody call me on the phone every day to go over my questions every day. Why? My name is Marshall Goldsmith. I, I was ranked number one coach in the world. I'm too cowardly to do this stuff by myself. I'm too undisciplined to do this stuff. I need help. And you know what? It's okay. We all need help. I need help. Dave needs help. Chris, you need help. Everybody needs help. Dave, all those people you see every weekend, they all need help. You know, nobody's getting a pass in life here. And it's okay. I think what's important is make peace with that. It's okay to need help. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. There's nothing wrong with that. I need help. You need help. We all need help. And you're much more likely to get better if you just admit that. Mm. Is there a fundamental need, though, to want to get better, I imagine? <laughs> like, that's got to be the tie that binds all of successful and the cases. Answer, and people ask me this all the time. They say, do most of the leaders you work with, do most of the leaders really want to get better? And the answer is, I have no idea. Because, you see, I only work with people who want to get better. Hmm. And the ones that don't want to get better, I don't know how many there are, but I don't know because I don't work with them. So the people I, the people I work with want to get better. He, he knows that he's working with people that are hyper-competitive with themselves as well. And he makes yep. it somewhat of a competition to realize you getting better is actually going to make you better better in every facet of your life, including not just personally, but professionally as well. So I think that's the rub and that's the sort of the paradox is if you are open to being better, that means like you are competitive with yourself. And yeah. and a, a perfect example was a, a call a couple of weeks ago, Marshall, there was a CEO of a giant, giant, giant company. Again, one of those people I'm like, what the fuck am I doing on this call with this, right, this person? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And he was saying how he was just promoted to be CEO of the whole division, the whole company. And before he was CEO of a really important part of this division right. of the company. Right. And, and before he was CFO of the whole company. But before that, he was running this very important division. And this is where I'm like, God damn it, this is just Buddhism in some capacity. His job was to realize to shut the fuck up and let this person do their job and to learn about, to give them the rope to make mistakes and to be a cheerleader and to support them, even though at every decision that this person is going to make in their old job, this CEO's old job, they knew every fucking answer. And their job wasn't to answer it and to give them the advice was just to shut the fuck up. And that's so goddamn hard. But that's sort of the, again, the the paradox of trying to be better, to have someone realize, oh, I can probably get the short-term solution by answering it for this person and making this company better in the next quarter. But by doing so, I'm going to disenfranchise this leader. And instead of creating an ally, I'm going to create someone that has a lot of animosity towards me. That's the competitiveness, is to realize your long game is to actually sacrifice the short game. And, you know, that's called adding too much value. And this guy is a great guy, by the way. And and the thing he learned, one of my old clients, I can mention his name is J.P. Garnier. He was CEO of GlaxoSmithKline. And I asked J.P., what would you learn about leadership of the CEO of this company? He said, I learned a hard lesson. My suggestions become orders. And, you know, Dave, you might not think this, but in your world, a lot of your suggestions are going to become orders. He said, if I want them to be orders, they're orders. If I don't want them, they're orders anyway. My suggestions become orders. For nine years, I trained the admirals in the U.S. Navy. What I teach them, you get that star? Your suggestions are orders. Admirals don't make suggestions. Admirals give orders. Admiral makes a suggestion. What's everybody doing? Sir, yes, sir. It's an order. So I asked him, what you learned from me? He said, I learned one thing from you that helped me be a better CEO and have a happier life. I said, what was it? He said, before I speak, breathe and just ask one question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And as as Dave said, as the CEO of this company, 50% of the time I breathe, I think, am I right? Maybe. Is it worth it? No. It's not worth it. Yeah, I may be right. It's not worth it. Uh, Chris, have you ever, you want to go to dinner at restaurant X and your wife wants to go to Y and you have a heated argument. You go to Y, it's not your choice and the food tastes awful and the service is terrible. Option A, you could point out that this was a big mistake which would have been avoided if only they listened to Chris. Or option B, shut up, pretend to enjoy the food and have a nice evening. Now, what would you do? What should you do? I'm, lo- I'm looking at guilt. I'm Dave, I'm looking at guilt on this. On this I just on this think Zoom. that option A was not even quite as strong of an option as I would have taken in this case. This would have been a real problem and a real, uh, I would have really weaponized this in an intense way that my, my restaurant was not chosen. I, I think about this. I think about this. I do think about this constantly, that, that B is the option. And you know, it's so funny to, to listen to you talk. And in the, la- in the past couple of years, since since Dave and I have kind of, been working on a, a lot of new projects together. I hear so much of this reflected in the advice he gives me. <laughs> there have been so many occasions in the past. I can, you know, I can't talk about them here openly. It would be a, a big trouble. But there, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple instances in the in the past couple in the past year or so where I've I've come to Dave and I've said, "This person's pissing me off so much. They're just not doing what I want. Like they're they're screwing me over in this way or whatever." And he's like. What would be the point of you getting in that fight? <laughs> what would you stand to gain if you did that? 
and I, and I have to be like, who the hell is this guy talking? Who, is this? who am I talking to now? I, this, this is Dave. I thought he was going to help me get in a big argument. It's so funny to hear like this, yeah. this thought process reflected and, 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 and obviously the, the coaching process being reflected. It's, it's kind of amazing. Damn it, Dave. Well, the intervention <laughs> is happening, Chris. <laughs> Oh man, this was a, this Listen, a roller coaster. Yeah, like I have so much to like work on, you know. And this is another thing: it's like just because I know something doesn't mean it's actionable in my life. Right. And that's been the hardest fucking thing: is your mind can convince you of anything, and that's great and bad. You know, Dave, we did an exercise. I don't think we did this. I did this for you yet. It's a good exercise in my new book. Every time you tell yourself a Buddhist philosophy, every time I take a breath, it's a new me. So take a breath, new me. Everything that was done in your life was done by an infinite set of people called the previous Daves, or in your case, the previous Chris. Now, think of all the gifts they've given the Dave that's here right now. Think of all the good things they've done. What should you say to those previous versions of you? Say, thank you. Now, they made some mistakes. We all did. Now, Dave... Who's the first person Dave needs to learn how to forgive? That would be me. I got a question. Uh, I've asked thousands of parents around the world this question. My child grows up. I want my child to be. There's one word that comes up from parents more than every other word combined, no matter what country I'm in. I want my child to be. What's that word? Happy. You want your son to be happy? Of course. You go first. Hmm. Easier said than done, and I'm doing my best, Marshall. But man, I fucking suck at it. <laughs> Dave, raise your right hand. My name uh, is Dave. My name, my name is, is Dave. I used to suck. I used to suck. I do not have to continue this sucking behavior. I do not have to continue in this sucking behavior. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I love this so much. Now you see how this works. I Dave, truly do. I had, I had no idea. I thought we were just going to come in here and pick on Dave the whole time, but. Just to see it, I mean, this is remarkable, honestly. Like, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> and, and Chris, the, the the thing is this, and the, why it is somewhat universal is me, basically just doing what I just did of saying like, oh, I suck at forgiving myself. I'm just asking for not leniency. That's my form of forgiving myself as an excuse to myself without actually doing any of the fucking work. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, you sense. know, I, I think, you know, now the other thing, okay, Dave, I got an exercise for you and all the listeners can do this too. Okay. Every time I take a breath, it's a new me. Now I'm going to have you guys write a letter. You can write a letter to the future use one year from today. And Dave, this is a very good point. You're going to say, dear future me, one year from today, me, Dave, and me, Chris, and the previous Dave's and Chris's, all the Dave's and Chris's in between. Here's what we want to give to you. Here's what we are going to try to give to you based on what we do over the next year. Then you're going to say, here's what we expect from you when we give you this gift. Here's what we want you to do with the gift that we're going to give you. Because in many ways, if you look at this Buddhist philosophy, the younger versions of you are your parents and the older versions of you are children. A lot of you now is created by these younger versions of you. Those are your parents. And in the future, the older versions of you in many ways are your children. And, you know, Dave, this, I always cry when I tell a story because it's so touching. Jim Kim, who's done more for the world than anybody I've ever met, saved 20, 30 million lives. 
I talked about that to him. I said, you know, Dr. Jim, you know, the older versions of you are your parents. You know what he said? I want to make mom and dad proud. Mm. Very touching. Damn you, Jim Kim, getting at me even from not being on this call. Still, still <laughs> making me tear up not even being here. Damn you, Jim Kim. Yeah, very touching. Always made me cry to tell a story. And, you know, here's the guy who saved 20 million lives. Yeah. yeah. And I want to make mom and dad proud. Yeah, very deep. Very deep. Yeah. So, Marshall, thank you. I mean, I know this doesn't answer a lot of things for people. But uh, you have a new book coming out. What's it called? The Earned Life. And what's it about? Well, it's just what we're talking about. All those previous Daves. Now, Dave, let me give you the good news and the bad news. You ready? Yes, sir. The good news of this philosophy is everything that happened before this second in time was done by a different group of people. They're called the previous Daves. And the good news is this philosophy makes it easier to forgive them because, you know, they made some mistakes. Let's forgive them for being who they were. Forgive the previous Chris for being who they were. On the other hand, Dave, the guy I'm talking to right now, the Dave right now, he has not earned one thing. He has not earned one thing. You know what? Everything you have is given to you. You've inherited from those previous yous. So the new you needs to breathe and say, all right, here I am. Those previous Daves have given me a lot. Thank you, previous Daves. Now, what am I going to do to earn this? What am I going to do to earn this gifts given to me by the previous days? And, you know, we had, uh, you know, Sun Yen, we did a, one of these podcast things with a general in the army and he keeps a box and the box is 135 cards of kids that died when he was their commander. And every day he pulls out three cards and the little box says, make it matter, make it matter. And so, you know, the previous use, look, they made some mistakes, but they worked hard. They worked hard. They did their best. They gave you a lot. So don't forget to be grateful for all they've given you. And now say, okay, what am I going to do to earn? What am I going to do now moving forward to earn everything that's been given to me by these people? What am I going to do to earn this? I think it's just a great way to look at life. You know, I don't want to be reductive, but everything you just sort of said would be great because I could imagine someone listening to this, a chef or someone else being like, I don't have fucking Marshall Goldsmith on my cell phone. Who the fuck am I going to call? And I think what you just said is, is exactly a start for sort of self-awareness and uh, empathy, yeah. really, and to accept the imperfect, imperfections yeah. of oneself. All just humans here. What do you think, Chris? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the, the the big takeaway too was was what you said, Dave and, and and Marshall. That it's one thing to kind of make these realizations or sort of make these promises to yourself, but following through and, and, and doing them. And you know, will I go talk to my wife right now or not? Yeah. And and Marshall, let me let me let me tell you how thankful I am. You know, one of the things I need to learn is to be grateful and have gratitude. And Chris knows this. Sometimes I, I, I say and I joke, or not joke, sometimes I believe that things are a simulation and things are just controlled by some other force. And I, 
I have to be incredibly thankful that these like random events that happened that allowed me to get this, you know, help and wisdom from you. Because I would imagine a younger version of Dave listening to this being like, fuck this guy. <laughs> fuck this guy and all this fucking privilege and all this bullshit. Shut the fuck up, dude. You don't know what it's like to be in my shoes and not to have this. And that's why I wanted you on this because I want to address that is, is that I'm trying to make the most of the situation that's been given to me and to not right. squander it. And to be able to, if, if just someone can listen to this and be like, oh. You know, like, I didn't know that because the journey is unwritten. The future is unwritten. And you can start that because you can't connect the dots until after the fact. Because if I talked to myself at the age of 34 in that horrible year, I never would have thought that one day you'll be stuck in quarantine. Your business may not survive and the world be a forever changed place. The racial injustice will finally be addressed in this world, so on and so forth, and all these things. And and, and Dave, you're, you're going to be grateful for it, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And who's this Marsha Goldsmith? How do I know this is going to fucking happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would watch this movie. I would watch old Dave's meeting new Dave. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thank you. And I, I don't want to squander the opportunities that you've given me because you're a very busy man and, and given back. So I thought this podcast was a little bit of me showing my gratitude and giving back to the listenership. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My honor to work with you, Chris. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. Likewise. Well, that was our conversation with Marshall. Um, I I know Chris Yang is a good sport, so I'm thankful that he was willing to participate. And I think he got some insight as to who I am a little bit better because, you know, my life is very different post-Marshall Goldsmith. A lot has changed, and uh, a lot of what I believe in or a lot of what I say, I think I've always believed in it, but it's just come out a little bit more into the forefront of who I am, and that's something that I think a lot of people that know me can see. But check it out. Marshall's got a new book coming out. But my my favorite book of Marshall's is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And I might even paraphrase that wrong. But if you look up Marshall Goldsmith book catalog, uh, that is the one that was probably the most impactful on my life because there were so many moments when I read that book and I just slapped my head and curse out loud being like, fuck, that's, that's me. So listen. I wouldn't be talking about this if I didn't think it was going to be beneficial because it was beneficial for me, for a knucklehead like me. And if I can get better, I think anyone can get better. And it's not just at work. It's in your relationships too, right? Your personal relationships. This has a a big impact about how you hold yourself accountable. Um, That's it, man. Give us five stars. However you rate this, continue to send us questions and emails at askdave at majordomamedia.com. Stay tuned for another podcast this week. Thank you very much, guys. Stay safe. Keep socially distanced. Wear that mask and wash your hands. <laughs>